do both. We uh, will do series on a specific thing coming into the Easter season. We're going to be talking about people who came into encounters with Jesus and how it changed their lives and how their stories can change our lives as well. Can you turn me down just a bit? Um, because when I start getting excited, it's going to be scary. Um, so, so that's what's coming up. But right now we're in a series called Transform, the book of Ephesians. And not really talking about becoming transformed, that we need to become something else, but reminding ourselves that we have been transformed by Christ, in Christ, that he has made us a new creation. And so a lot of times we just need to wake up and we might act like the old you or the old me, but Paul is reminding these people as he reminds us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that you have been transformed and you are new in Christ. And so we're reminding ourselves of that. And every week for the, this series, we're, we're just talking about what it means that we've been transformed. So this morning, Ephesians chapter 3, follow along. We're going to start in verse 14 through 21. This is New King James Version. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all of the saints What is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge? It passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Would you pray with me as we start this? Lord, we we thank you for your word, God. We thank you um, that it points to you. Lord, I ask this morning as, as we study about you and about how to become more like you and how to really... Um, embrace your love lord that our lives would be changed god that we would understand more of uh, of what ephesians is about and what you're trying to speak to us through that jesus so uh, we ask these things and we expect that you will do a great thing this morning in jesus name everyone said amen, amen. now you might be wondering why i have gatorade instead of water uh, Kim found a, a funny thing on a, a meme or something like that. And this is what it says. You should be as excited about church as you are about the Super Bowl. So when your pastor makes a point this Sunday, pour Gatorade over his head. <laughs> Luckily, there's no one behind me and I can see all y'all. So don't get, go getting any crazy ideas, especially teenagers in the room. Don't be doing that. Well, you know, it's already February. It's amazing. Already February, uh, Super Bowls this afternoon. Um, we're in the second month of 2017. Uh, I'm wondering who here is still holding to your New Year's resolution, like to eat good or to work out. Is anyone still, you're still holding strong on that? Okay. Anybody have uh, in and out double-double this week or uh, a Frappuccino? Men, do you get strawberries and cream frappuccinos? It's okay. Don't be ashamed. 
cake pops maybe every once in a while. You're a secret obsession. Anyways, so it always seems like there's a new diet going on. There's something new that's going crazy. One time my wife had this diet of uh, cayenne pepper and um, apple cider vinegar, I think it was. And I tried it once and I don't think I ever recovered. I still like get cold chills when I try those two things together. Well, either of them, they're both disgusting. Uh, but <laughs> like apple cider vinegar, if you've never had it, I guess it's really, really good for you. But it is the grossest thing that you could ever taste in your life. And like my sister drinks it like Kool-Aid. It's crazy. I don't, I don't understand. But there's, there's these weird diets that are all over the place. And there's people that actually make money off these. Like there's a diet, maybe you heard of it before. It's called the eat till you're full diet. It's like, wow, what a concept, like eat until you're full, like, oh my goodness, like how did I not think of that? But people got paid for that, like there's a book or something about this, eat till you're full. When you are done, when you're fulfilled, stop eating. Oh my gosh, there's this other diet I heard about back a while ago, but it's called the tapeworm diet. Now that (laughs) is not a good thing. And so they had pills that actually had tapeworms in them, and you'd eat them but then it stopped when people started having uh, seizures and dementia and cysts on their eyes. Um, but you stayed skinny, so I guess, um, whatever. Um, I think the best diet, and, and maybe you agree with me, and maybe you know what I'm talking about, is, is sushi. Because when you have sushi, you're never full. Have you noticed that? Like, you could eat rolls of sushi. Like, my wife loves sushi, and I love, I like it too. It's really good with wasabi and soy sauce or ginger, whatever it might be. But, like, you, you eat sushi, and then I feel like I could run, like, five miles afterwards. It's like, I'm never getting full on this stuff. Like, give me a steak and let me roll out of Texas Roadhouse or <laughs> something like that. But, it, I mean, these sushi, it's... It's like a, it's like you're never full when you eat it. And, and so when I was reading, and I, how does this all get together in my scary brain of mine? But like I'm, I'm reading, and, and I, the word that really grabbed me this week was the word filled, to be full. Um, one of the writers uh, in one of the commentaries, it said that this is the ultimate human experience. In verse 19, it says, To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And I wonder, and I was reading that, and I sat back and I thought, you know, it's a good question for me to ask myself, and I think for all of us to ask is, when was the last time that you felt full? That you were filled? And you know, I've, I've been a Christian for 30 years. I've been working in churches for almost two decades now, but there's a lot of times that I have to admit that there, I don't feel completely full. That sometimes I can even admit to you that I feel empty. And as I talk to people in ministry and people who are struggling with things, I think um, especially even Jesus followers like, like myself, there's this alarming trend that a lot of times or even for some of us, most of the time, we can't get to the place where we actually feel, feel full. And I don't, I don't know. Like, it sounds like, no, no, I don't, I don't want to say that I'm not full. I, it, in Christianity, like, it's not always about how you feel. And we talked about that last week where emotions aren't always the best thing to base your life off of. But at the same time, what Paul is telling us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is that God wants us to be filled with fullness. And that this is this great 
human experience of this idea of being filled. And what are we filled with? It says the love of God. So my question this morning is, do you feel filled? Do you feel full with the, with the, with the love and the experience of God? Another way to say it, are you satisfied? Another way to say it is, do you feel content? In 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, it says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. So what it's saying is you are winning at life when you have a relationship with God, you are aware of God, where you look like God, you act like God, and you are content. It doesn't just say godliness is great gain. It says godliness with contentment is great gain. Have you ever seen that guy who um, he, he's never content with himself or girl, um, and they're, they're in your life, but they're always trying to prove themselves to you. They're always trying to talk about what they've done or how many friends they have or their newest car or how much money they're making or, or all the great things that they get to do. And it's like they're never content with themselves. And, and then you see the person who's completely content with themselves and they're allowed to or they're able to speak into people's lives and encourage other people. And it's not just always about them and, and trying to prove themselves to other people. It's about other people and helping them with with what they're going through. And this is what the Bible says is good life. It's great gain. And so do you, you feel content? Not only do you feel like, yes, I do all these things. I read my Bible. I go to church. I, I, I do all the things I'm supposed to do. But are you also content with God in your life? And do you feel full? In Ephesians, it says that you can be filled not only that you can be filled, but you are filled with the fullness of God. Now, I'm not saying that we should always feel 24-7 full, because that's not going to happen. There's going to be times where you go through things, where I go through things. But we have to sit back and ask ourselves, when was the last time that we felt that fullness, that contentment? And for a lot of us, I'm afraid to say that. I, I bet it's been a while. Maybe that's why you're here this morning. Maybe that's uh, why you came to church because you just realized that I need to be filled. I need to be full of the love of God. And, and this is a place where I feel like I, I can hear the word and, and I, can get, I can get full. And, or maybe your routine is you come to church on Sunday and then during the week you just leak a little bit every day. And then on the next Sunday you get filled again. But in Ephesians 3, what we see is Paul's roadmap to how you become filled with the fullness of God. And this is actually Paul's prayer. He does this a lot in the book of Ephesians, which is good. In verse 14 and 15, it says, for this reason, I bow my knees. I mean, this is so descriptive that he's bowing his knees to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named. I mean, that's pretty cool. Like the whole family of heaven and earth, we are part of his family together is named that you, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in your inner man. So when Paul's praying, he's getting on his knees, he's praying to the father, but what he's praying for is for strength on the inside of you. And it's so interesting because a lot of times we'll sit back in our lives and we'll see the circumstances that we're going through and the things that we deal with, whether it be in school or whether it be at work or whether it be our financial situation or something that happens circumstantially. And we think if these things would just not be in my life, 
then I would feel okay. But that's not what Paul prays for for these people in Ephesus. He's not praying that they would feel better. Or, I mean, Ephesus was this terrible place with so much disease. I mean, they needed Purell hand sanitizer like Cher needs auto-tune. But they, they needed jobs. They needed money. They needed safety. They needed not to be persecuted. They needed peace. And so what does Paul pray for? He doesn't pray for the outside circumstances that they're going through. When you and I, a lot of times we think, if this was just different in my life, then I would be okay and I could be content and I could feel full. But that's not what Paul's saying here. He's saying, I pray that you will be filled with the fullness of God, but it comes from the inside of you. It's not based off of your outside circumstances. And a lot of times, I mean, in this, I'm sure the Ephesians were like, come on, can you get in touch with what's going on in my life? I need to have a break. I need for things in my life to start going better. I need a touch or, or, or something to happen on the outside. And that's not what Paul's saying that you need help with. He's saying you need to be strengthened on the inside. That's what he's praying for all of us. In verse 17 it says that you would be strengthened with might through the spirit in the inner man so that why do you need that strength? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts. So Paul he's saying what I'm praying for you on the inside is not a job not for circumstances in your life, not for you to find a wife or a husband or, or, or that your, your boss would get fired and that you would have a new, nicer boss to work with. He's saying that you would be strengthened on the inside so that Jesus would dwell in your hearts. Now, I don't know about you. I, I grew up in church, so I remember in Sunday school, and the teacher would sit us all down, and I was a little boy, obviously, and... Um, teacher was saying, now, who wants Jesus to come in their heart? And I would think, how does he do that? <laughs> Is it like, honey, I shrunk the kids? Like, I, I, that was when I was growing up. That's, uh, that was my, my show, my movie. But, but I always thought, like, oh, my goodness, like, he's actually going to shrink and, like, walk into my aorta? And, like, how does he get in there? Like, is it going to hurt? Like, what if he, like, grows again? And then I, like, explode. I mean, this is what I'm thinking. I'm, like, six years old. Like, what else am I supposed to think? But Paul is literally saying that Jesus has to get inside of you. Now, obviously, he's not talking about surfing on your bloodstream, in your bloodstream. (laughs) That's not what we're talking about here. It's the center of your being. It's the emotional control center of who you are. And I think this could be one of the most beautiful pictures in all of Christianity. That, that having a relationship with Jesus and finding this contentment that Paul's talking about. It's not about some mental ascent. It's not about um, me persuading you logically or even swaying you emotionally or that you would come to some conclusion um, in your brain that, that the case that I'm making is good enough so that now you agree with that. That's not what Paul's um, saying at all. And, and those things are good. And it's good to know apologetics and, and, and facts about the Bible. But what Paul is saying is that it isn't so much about you mentally believing. It's more about what's inside of you and being strengthened on your inner being so that Jesus can be in the center of who you are. That Jesus would make his home in the person that is you. And what is that? That's Christianity. 
That's having a relationship with Jesus, that it's not so much an experience or logical or mental. It's literally that Jesus wants to come into your heart, just like my, school, my Sunday school teacher taught me. But what does that mean, your heart? It means your personality. It means your will. It means your emotions. It's the control center of who you are. And, and so let's say this stage is, um, is my control center. Right? This, this is a lot, what a lot of us think that Jesus coming into my heart looks like. So you hear this knock. And like, I'm like, oh, Jesus, is that you? Oh! And I open the door. Welcome in. Go ahead and sit over there. And then Jesus comes over. He's like, oh, wow, this is great. Oh, yeah, I see what you did there. and Uh-huh, yeah, good, 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 that's good, uh-huh. Well, all right, well, that's great. Like, I'm in your heart now, so I'm just going to sit over here. And yeah, good, 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 good. Okay, that is not what happens. <laughs> Jesus is not sitting in the corner all polite, looking at all the things you do and just being quiet about it. Like, this is how Jesus comes into our hearts. Like, I'm here. And then we open the door and he's like, "Woo! Yeah. Let's do this thing. Let, let's get it going. Yeah, um yeah, that's not going to go there anymore. We're going to put that there and woo, let's change things around. Let's get things going. Let's let's make this happen. We're doing this now." That's how Jesus comes into our heart. He he's not just sitting in the corner and on the outside we're like, "Oh my Gosh, what is happening here? And he's like, I'm here and I'm never leaving. And so like Jesus, he like wants to take over our lives. And some of you are like, what is wrong with this guy? He is crazy. Um, but he wants to be in the center of your personality. He wants to be in the center of your decisions and your will and your emotions. And he wants to just move in and really dominate the, the stage of your soul. And yeah, there's going to be conflicts sometimes because it's going to feel awkward because of how we used to be and how we are now. And he's here. That's why it feels that way. And Paul is saying that what he cares about, what he prays for, for you and for me and for the people of Ephesus, is not praying about the outside circumstances. It's God that he would come in and completely take over your will, your emotions, your decisions. And when he does that, it says being rooted and grounded in love. So God will dominate the stage of your heart, and then you will be rooted and grounded in love. I mean, shoot, who doesn't want to be rooted and grounded? I mean, that's a whole lot better than feeling unstable all the time, right? Like, I want to be rooted. I want to be grounded. I mean, that's a picture of health and, and, and goodness in life and, and ability and clarity. I mean, I, I want to have a clear path in my life. I want to be able to see clearly. I don't want to see, see things all foggy and uncertain and not understanding. I mean, you, the go-to metaphor in pretty much all of the Bible is this idea of being a tree. And being a tree, when you're a tree, then you have these deep roots that we can have in God where we have stability, where um, we do what we say, where we're reliable, where our life isn't chaotic all the time. And even if there's chaos around us, we are rooted and grounded in what? In the love of God. That's what Paul's praying for, that we would be grounded as plants. And plants with strong roots, they grow. And Jesus wants you and he wants me to grow. 
If you feel unstable in your life, which I know I have felt many times, I'm sure there's many here this morning, and you feel like your life is very unstable, the stability and the clarity that you seek and long for, it doesn't come through information and data. Even though those things are good, what it says it comes through is in love. Paul says it happens in love. How do you grow clear, stable, and healthy in your life? Really, it's being obsessed with the love of God and pursuing his love with everything in your life. You know, here's a common critique, not in this church so much, but I've heard in in the past in in other churches um, where people are like, hey, like, sermon was great today, but, you know, um, can we get past the whole love thing? Like, Jesus was cool, and Jesus' love is great, but, you know, I'd really love to talk about Revelation and, you know, the beast, and that would be really cool because I want to know if you're pre-post or mid-trib, and, you know, I, I just need that meat to go on in my life because it will advance my life and my walk with God, and, and that's really going to ground me and give me the stability that I need, but, um, those things are great, and we're actually going to start a series on Wednesday nights going really deep into things like that. But we have to remember that what Paul says is what will ground you and give you stability and clarity in your life is not more knowledge. It's what happens not in your head, but what happens in your heart, and that is the love of God. Yet so many of us, we think, well, I just need to get really, really deep in what I know. And when I know more things, then I will be better in life. And, and you know, love, that's great. And that's so elementary. And that's really cute. And it looks like this little stream. And oh, sweet. Look at this pretty little stream. And I can just step over it. And wow, God really does love me. Awesome. There's a little fishy swimming in there. That's so great. But, you know, uh, let's go on to the bigger thing. Where's the river? That's what we think God's love is. And we cross over this little stream that we think is God's love, and we never go deeper. And we never see that God's love is an endless ocean. Most believers have never gotten past the surface because they try and skip past it and look on to bigger and better things. But what Paul tells us is the love of God is where we find stability and fullness and how to be filled, how God comes into our heart. That's the the pinnacle of what we can experience as believers is love that comes from our Savior. In fact, later in the letter, it talks about discovering that in all eternity that it will be filled with us plumbing the depths of God's love for us. Be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. And the reason that we always bring it back to Jesus and his love is because that is what will always give us clarity and stability and health. That we'd feel full when it came to the love of God. That, that we would, um, part of our roadmap would be being rooted and grounded in his love. And then the roadmap continues as Paul's praying for the work that happens inside of us. In verse 19, it says um, that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. Now, that's interesting to me because um, a lot of us will just think, man, I'm just not full. I I need to figure out how to be full. And so I just need to get away by myself. 
Have you ever been there? You ever thought, I need to get away. I, I, I don't need church right now. I just need time away from everybody so that I can think. But what the Word of God says is that in order to be full of God, you need to be with all the saints. It's not about isolating yourself. It's about that you may have strength to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. In other words, God isn't just building a new you. He didn't just create you for you. What this is telling us that he is building a new society, that he's building a new humanity, that he's building a new family. And and the beginning of the chapter actually talks about the Jews and the Gentiles and different ethnicities and cultures all coming together under one banner that I am a sinner in need of a savior, that I need to be saved. And the one who saves is Jesus. And he has changed all of our lives. So let's commit to love each other. Let's commit to serve each other. Let's commit to get together around coffee or, or food or in our homes or at the park or in a common building together. And let's encourage each other because God said that part of the roadmap to feeling full spiritually includes you and it includes me. It concludes us together so that when you're in need, that I can minister to you. And when I'm in need, you can minister to me. And that is part of the plan and the roadmap that God gives all of us in the book of Ephesians on how to feel full with the fullness of God, which is his love. It comes in us being together. Because I can come into this place feeling completely empty and I start interacting and I start serving and loving and caring for people. And then all of a sudden it seems like a paradox, but when I'm empty, I know the only way that I can be full is by emptying myself more. But so many times we are so counter to that where we think I'm empty, so I need to get away from all of this. I need to get away from people so that I can just fill myself up. And the Bible tells us the exact opposite. And the reason I know this works so well is because I experience this every week. (laughs) You might not know this, but there are times when I come in and it's been a long week. And I see you and I get to hug on some of you and and pray with you. And then I get to explain God's word. I see your faces and you see my face and I see light bulbs go on or like actually somebody says amen. And I'm like, yes, someone gets it. And, And then like before you know it, like I came in feeling very empty or very tired and I leave service feeling like I could run a marathon. Like, I get out of service and I'm like, woo! Like, I'm driving home, like, singing songs and all excited. And it's just, so thank you. Like, you guys help me and make me feel stronger. But I know that this is how it works, that it's being together and it's really serving each other that brings strength and foundation in the experience that God is telling us on how you feel full with God's love. And so Paul, he's praying for all of us that God's work would be working in our souls, that he's doing this heavy lifting in there and praying that you'd be rooted and grounded in God's love, that your entire spiritual focus would be around the, the, the fullness and the love of God and that you would stay there for the rest of your life and that you would realize that we need each other and that the, the fullness of God comes through the community of Christ. You and I, we, we can't do it on our own. 
Proverbs 18.1 says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. It is impossible to feel full when you are consistently isolated. Now, are there times where you want to get away? Yeah. Jesus even got away by himself at times. But you are a, crea- you're a creature designed for community, just like I was. And this is not like some like, idea where, like, hey, we're just trying to get a crowd together, and we're just trying to make sure that we're, we're all in one place. Like, I really believe that what God's plan is that he is developing a family, a community, a society that's predicated on being objects of God's unending love, and that happens when we come together. That happens in the midst of our community. That is how we find contentment. Not by being isolated, not by trying to figure it out on your own. But it's embracing what God created and finding the way that God calls us to be full and filled. In verse 19, it says, To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God, which means that God's love is inexhaustible. But it also means that it says to know the love of Christ. It means that there is some knowledge there, but it's so much more than just knowledge. Because it says to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. To know more than knowledge. How can I know more than knowing? (laughs) Like, oh my goodness, how does that even work? The way that that works is by allowing God to show you God. We need God to show us God. That's really how we are full. Yeah, you can be filled by some knowledge, but if you want to be full, it only comes by God showing you God. And everything that we do is in anticipation and hope and belief that God will show us God. That's what we pray for every week as we open the scriptures. God, show me who you are. Show me how to be conformed to the image of your son. And Paul gets so excited as he ends this. And he says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think, according to the power that is in work within, with power that works in us. How do you get full? We have to understand what the power that is in work within us is. And that is Jesus. Jesus coming into your heart brings the power that can do more than you could ever imagine. It's embracing his love. How how do we do that? That is why there are some people who can read the Bible and it actually doesn't do anything for them. Because they haven't embraced the power inside of them, which is Jesus. I never, I've, I've talked to many people, and the word of God does not return void, and it will work. Um, however, what it says is that the, the power, it, it's work within us, which is Jesus. And, you, and there's a lot of people who think, well, I have knowledge, and so knowledge didn't do its thing in me, so Jesus must not be real. And, and the problem is that the word of God is our authority, Because Jesus is our authority. 
And if somebody doesn't allow Jesus to be their authority, then the word of God doesn't work in the same way that it works with us. And so Jesus, and and you might think, well, Hebrews 4.12, it says, but the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. But that actually, um, that's talking about Jesus. And the reason I know that is because if you take it in context, in Hebrews 4.13, it says, and there is no creature hidden from his sight. And then in verse 14, it says, see then that we have a high priest, Jesus. Because the the, the scriptures... They point to a person. And so many people get so obsessed with knowledge. And if I can just read this book, then I've got everything taken care of. And and I just need to know more. And I need to do more. and, And that's all that there is in life. And Jesus is the fulfillment of all those things. So reading it by itself, it's going to get you somewhere, but it's not going to get you full. Because this has to point to this. The word has to point to the word, the rhema, to the logos. And if we stop at the rhema, then we're missing out on the fullness of God. It can't be about knowledge. It has to be about love. It can't be about just the outside circumstances. It has to be about what's happening on the inside. It can't just be about about what we think, but it's about contentment with who we are in Christ, which is the main point of all of the book of Ephesians. Who you are in Christ, being content with him. And this is what I want to leave you with. When, when things are, are going on inside and you're feeling that because you have asked Jesus into your life and, and you feel even the slightest draw towards God, stop whatever you're doing. And there are times when I'll be writing a, a sermon and, and I feel it. And I just have to step back and I just have to close my eyes and I just have to say, God, tell me what you want me to, what, what you want me to hear. Speak to me moving my life right now. And and it's so much more important. The sermons are important, but it's so much more important to hear from God. To wait and say, Lord, Lord, I I hear you and I will act on it. And that's why sometimes, like, I'll be telling a joke and you want to cry because God's speaking to you because he spoke to me. What is that? That is the power that is working within you. That is the power that is working within me. That is God moving into your neighborhood. That is um, God rearranging your inner house, prompting you, compelling you, revealing you to you who he is. That's what we need to, to embrace the love of God in those moments where he speaks to you, where he gives you an inkling or, or just nudges you just a bit. Embrace that moment. Live in the love that God has for you. Just obsess with that. Seek it out with everything that you have. Because in that, you will find contentment and you will find the love that you've been seeking, the fullness that you've not felt. That's when we leave being empty and become who God has called us to be. To Him, be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your love. Your love is so great. It is so vast. 
is the deepest ocean. It's the widest sea. Lord, I pray this morning that we would we would seek to be consumed by the love that is God. Lord, that we would we we would enjoy knowledge, but we wouldn't base our lives on knowledge, but on love and the love that comes from you. Lord, that you would remind us that you are in our hearts and that you don't sit in the corner quietly and politely. You change things, Lord. Change us. Move things around in our lives, Father, and help us to embrace it. For in that embracing that we will ultimately feel the fullness of God in our lives. The ultimate experience in the life of a believer. If you're here this morning and you just want to say, God, I want to feel the fullness of your love for me. Would you raise your hand with me as I pray? Lord, you see these hands all over the sanctuary, Lord, that you would fill us with your love, Lord, that we would seek the roadmap that you gave us in the book of Ephesians on how we fill full of your love, that we wouldn't isolate ourselves, that we wouldn't just obsess with knowledge, Lord, that we would embrace the love of God in our hearts, Jesus. Lord, we ask for the fullness of your love to be filled, Lord. Fill us now, Jesus, with your love, the fullness of God. And if there's anyone here with every head down, every eye closed, and you want to experience that love, but you've never asked Jesus into your life, and you want to start that relationship, then I, I want to invite you to, um, to make a decision this morning to say, God, come into my life. And, and you know what? I might have scared you a little with how he comes in, but it is the best decision that you could ever make. And I know that from experience, as do most people in this room. So if that's you and you want to make that decision to say, Jesus, come into my life. Show me what it really means to be full and not empty. On the count of three, just shoot up your hand. One, two, three. Is there anyone here that wants to make that decision? I see your hand. Anyone else want to make that decision? Well, if everyone would repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. Fill me with your love. I believe you died for me. That you defeated sin. That you rose again. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.